The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Today on Fantasy Football Today, dot broken tackle rate, off-target percentage, Batting average on balls in play. More advanced stats that you need to know uh, on this special edition, this Wednesday, May 25th edition of FFT. Did anybody laugh at batting average on balls in play? Like, I give you a little chuckle. Okay. Yeah, I think Jacob did. He's still <laughs> polite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's why you're on the show. Jacob Gibbs is here, stats guru, sports line writer. You've heard him on the show plenty of times. He had a great call about Braxton Berrios in week 17, I think, last year. So uh, he's got – he tells you what the numbers say, the numbers that we don't often talk about on this show. In fact, Jacob – also Dave and Heath are here. But, Jacob, give me – what's the most obscure stat you've been messing with lately? Yeah, something I've really been uh, digging into lately. Um, I've got an article coming out on Sportsline later this week, actually, um, just really diving deeper into all this is uh, route data um, and just like really looking specifically at the big four routes, um, which make up uh, roughly two thirds of the total NFL routes run over the past five seasons. And that's go routes, hitch routes, out routes, and crossing routes. Um, and they're some of the most popular routes at the collegiate level as well. Um, typically out routes aren't run quite as frequently in college as they are um, at the NFL level. Um, but just looking at which players and which prospects have uh, performed well on these routes and have also run a lot of these routes, because some, you know, some college route trees just don't use these all that often. And so, like, which ones are consistently running, you know, NFL level routes and consistently performing well on those routes? Um, and so that's something I'm I'm just really geeking out on lately and really excited for. And I think there's some stuff that uh, kind of uncovered that maybe you're not going to hear um, about some of these prospects um, elsewhere. And so I'm, Good. I'm really excited to dive into these guys. Yeah, that's, I'm excited to talk about that, too. It'll be one of the first things we talk about today. We're also going to talk about James Conner and if the addition of Daryl Williams matters, some updates on the 49ers and who's going to be at the OTAs and who won't be. Aaron Rodgers is not at Green Bay's voluntary OTAs. Uh, an update on Terry McLaurin. Mm, that's about, oh, Tyson Williams is with the Colts, so we got some news and notes, but it's going to be a pretty statsy show. Dave, as you've been covering fantasy football for how many years now? More than two. More than two. Are you up to fifteen? What? Yes. Like, I think what, what what I'd like to know is when Dave started covering fantasy sports, what grade of elementary school was Jacob in? <laughs> 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 or was he in elementary school yet? Which year? Uh, which year is it? Nah. Two thousand three. Oh my gosh! I graduated high school. In, I graduated high school in twenty thirteen. In uh-huh. two thousand three, I would have been nine or ten years old. Well, it's good yes. to know I've done so much with my life <laughs> since, since you were in uh, elementary school. That was an excellent, 
Excellent question. <laughs> yeah, that was a good I'm, question. I'm I, just not going to talk anymore. I I thought, you know what would have been so. an even better question was when you first started, what were the advanced stats? I mean, you know, I, that's what I was thinking. Oh. Yeah. There, there were not very many, uh, and that was part of the problem. That's why I gravitated toward watching players and games as much as I could back then and any way that I could because there wasn't all 22 film readily available either back in 2003. So, I mean, honestly, we did not have a lot. The teams had a lot. The teams were using this type of data, but I think they had to get it themselves. I think they literally had to have grunts getting together, you know, collating all that data and not using the full power of, you know, computer programming at that time. This is a good time to admit that I have kind of a love-hate relationship with advanced stats in football. Same. I think you should. I, I think this is a great time to admit that we. It's not just about the stats that we're using, but how how effective are they and how much. Well, they help. and it's. I think part of it is coming from like the baseball world, where it's been embraced and made normal uh, so much sooner than football. And now football, it's it seems almost siloed, to where like you can go to three different sites and find three different metrics for how good someone was at avoiding a tackle last year. Right. Um. And we've got a lot of different things trying to tell us the same thing. I, I'm looking forward to like five years from now, 10 years from now, we've decided, you know what? These stats are the most predictive and the most useful, and we should just focus on those. Yeah, I think one thing that we're going to look at today is avoid rate, you know, how, avoiding tackles by running backs. How good are they at avoiding tackles and broken tackle rate and who showed up high on both lists? And last year... 2020, so two two seasons ago, number one in broken tackle rate and number one in avoided tackle rate was Mike, <laughs> Mike Davis. He was number one in both, <laughs> which was really interesting. Uh, all right, so Jacob, uh, what you know? What are some of the the staples for you? The ones that you rely on the most? Uh, event stats. Yeah. Besides yards per carry. <laughs> well, I know he likes the per route run stuff, for example. Yeah, for sure. I do like the per route run stuff, but really with all of it, it's just like having the full understanding and using it to, to contextualize things rather than like leaning too heavily on them. Cause like some per route run metrics target per route run, particularly like targets are coming in completely different ways for different players. And so understanding, you know, average depth of target, like we're going to get into later in the podcast. Um, all that is important as well. But yeah, I love the parade run stuff. I really dig into that a lot. I, I just think the predictive data we have on the advanced data we have for like evaluating receivers and tight ends is really um, where I like to like really nerd out is it's there's just way more stuff than there is for running backs um, that I think is useful. Um, just route data in general, like understanding route involvement rates for running backs for tight ends, I think is really, really useful, like understanding which tight ends are being allowed to get out and run routes um, when the quarterbacks are dropping back rather than uh, standing in and blocking. Um, Can you give me an example of a wide receiver or a tight end where the advanced data really showed you something that, that maybe the, the the conventional data didn't, and then it showed up the following year or something like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I think is the most recent one where like his per route data just continued to point towards him as being one of the league's premier target hogs, even just like two or three years ago. And I don't think the um, consistency on him was to that point yet, but it has kind of come around to that now. Um, I'm really curious to see what his numbers will look like without Big Ben. But yeah, he's somebody who like injuries and other things had kind of gotten in inconsistency, had gotten in the way of him producing at a high level prior to like the last year or so. Um, but he'd been producing extremely well 
and his per route data um, for years up until that point. Um, the per route data really like helped um, point out Devonta Adams breakout season a couple years ago. Um, he had only played, I think like 10 or 11 games the game prior or the week, the season prior. Um, and so he, a lot of people weren't targeting him as like the number one receiver, but like his per route data was better than Michael Thomas was better than anyone. Um, and it had been following a con, you know consistent trajectory up to that point. And then he just like really erupted um, and was like clearly the best receiver in fantasy all of a sudden. Um, so I, I just think it like, it helps, it really helps contextualize and point out players who maybe have dealt with unfortunate circumstances um, that have like kept them from really, really shining in the way that they can. Um, and AJ Brown is another one who I'm really excited for. Um, his parade data last year was absolutely insane. And of course now there's a little more volatility with him going to a different situation, but like his trajectory year over year at, is pointing towards him being like one of the best um, producers in football. So he, He's who I, I guess would be next up for me, who I'm really excited to see how it uh, pans out. Okay, that's A.J. Brown. We'll come back to some of this stuff in just a little bit. If you're looking for a leg up on your bookmaker, we've got you covered on the Early Edge podcast powered by Sportsline. Every day you can join Jonathan Coachman. Coach, you'd yell at me if you knew I called him Jonathan Coachman. And an expert crew of Sportsline handicappers to break down the biggest games of the day. Every episode is 20 minutes or shorter, and it's in your feed by 11 a.m. So it's really quick, good gambling advice. If there's a sharp side to the action, you'll be armed with it. Go check out the Early Edge podcast wherever you listen to FFT. Okay, let's uh, put another guy in the best shape of his career club or best shape of his life. We got Mac Jones. We got Amari Rogers, And he, I think we got a repeat here. Ezekiel Elliott. Last year, I thought he was in the best shape. He's apparently now in even better shape. So Ezekiel Elliott, welcome to the best shape of his life club. Can we just know what the year PS was club? the best shape of your life? <laughs> the best shape of my life. Ten, 10 years ago, I'd say. Something like that. I was running a lot. I was I thought you were gonna say when you were ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh not lifting, but running. I was in good shape. Ooh, no. Uh when I played soccer in high school for one year, the drills we had to do. For a freaking backup goalie, I didn't have. To, I shouldn't have had to do any of that stuff, but I had to do it all, and I got in great shape that that year. So yeah, and saved. I made a couple of saves. Uh, yes, Dave, we can call it the BS list. That is a good one. The best shape list. That's very good. Best. That is good. The BS list. We finally found a name for it. So Jacob, you can start us off with the rookie stuff that you want to talk about. The so you're looking at the types of routes that these guys are running, the ones that are seen very frequently in the NFL. Who are the ones that you think could make the smoothest transition? Or do we not know yet? Can you not answer that question? Uh, yeah, I think definitely check out the article if you have the time and, and just look at it in more detail because there is a lot of context with all of these. Um, but the the players who stood out as performing particularly well in the big four routes, which again are go routes, hitch routes, out routes, and crossing routes, uh, George Pickens really stood out. Um, he has a small sample size. I don't know how much I trust it, but he was insanely efficient on these routes. Um, particularly on go routes and hitch routes, he was just kind of uncoverable. He just dominated people physically. Um, Garrett Wilson, really, really good um, across the board in all the routes um, and and had a really NFL route-ready uh, tree. Uh, Jameson Williams really stood out, um, performing well, um, particularly in this last year, of course. Drake London uh, performed really well. Traylon Burks uh, was extremely efficient on these routes. And then two uh, kind of under-the-radar guys are Alec Pierce, um, and Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Tolbert 
was actually below average prior to 2021 on these routes, but made a huge jump last year among 80 players with at least 250 big four routes run in 2021. He ranked first in targets per route run and third in yards per route run. Um, I'm super excited for Tolbert. I think the landing spot is great. Um, Cowboys, in case anybody is not yeah. recalling, George Pickens with the Steelers, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jets, Jameson Williams, Lions, Williams, Lions, Drake London, Falcons, Traylon Burks, Titans, Alec Pierce, Colts, Jalen Tolbert, Cowboys. Go ahead. Um, and then just weak performers, uh, John Dotson really, um, I, I just was overall not very impressed with his analytical profile. Of course, part of that was quarterback play, um, but he was weak in the big four routes as well. He's much better on other routes um, that aren't used as much in the NFL. Uh, Sky Moore was kind of the same. I'm a little bit concerned about that, um, but overall kind of excited uh, for his landing spot there. Another chief, uh, Justin Ross, really did not perform well on big four routes. And then Wanda Robinson, uh, which shouldn't come as much of a oh, surprise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I will say his data was much more encouraging uh, at Kentucky. Uh, he was above average, um, above league average on these routes at Kentucky, whereas in Nebraska, he it was pretty abysmal. Um, but those four stood out as pretty weak performers. I, I really appreciate this list because pretty much almost all of the guys that I like um, did well, and all the guys I, I did. Uh-huh. And I, I think the Sky Moore is like one of the more interesting ones, just because yeah. like it's not as surprising the guy who's only played receiver for three years, um, maybe isn't quite as good, and was used in in a variety of different ways to find success. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's just somebody you probably shouldn't, shouldn't expect maybe as much from in year one. Yeah. I don't know what Tyree Kill's numbers would have looked like on this, but I don't think it would have been good coming out of college. Um, now he's not Tyree Kill, but it's kind of a similar thing where it's probably going to take a year or two. He's going to have to develop in the NFL. Um, I think Pickens might just be the best Steelers wide receiver in like six months. Well, Pickens was interesting. He barely played, you know. As as Jacob mentioned, small sample size. Torres ACL came back late in the season, um, but he was a first class recruit, and yeah, a lot of people are very high on him. So he's interesting. Dave Jalen Tolbert. I just want to bring this up. Nobody really seems to talk or care about him in NFC drafts anyway since May 1st. There are 12 DSTs that are going ahead of Jalen Tolbert. He's 211th overall, and he does have a nice opportunity, doesn't he? I mean, are we sleeping on Jalen Tolbert? Do you think he should be drafted in a in a 15-round draft? I think it's going to be easier to answer that if we know what the deal is with Michael Gallup and we know how good Tolbert is in training camp and even in minicamp with the Cowboys. How well does he assimilate into that offense there is a potential great opportunity there to begin the season if he's the de facto number two wide receiver in the dallas cowboys offense he builds that rapport with with uh with dak prescott i think he can absolutely get there but he 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 felt to me like a pretty under the radar prospect just to begin with like at the senior bowl i don't think he necessarily stood out um, and, and then during the draft process, uh, there were just, there's so many other receivers that got so much attention that it just felt like Tolbert was under the radar. I know he's talented. I know the potential is there for him to contribute all year long in Dallas, but there's also the downside. He's a rookie receiver who went to South Alabama. He's how much does he play once Gallup is healthy? Can that Cowboys offense support three receivers and a tight end? I know last year, there were times where it felt like they could, but they didn't really do it. I've, I I have a little bit of a hard time saying that Tolbert's going to for sure come through at this point, but 
he's he's one of goodness, dude, like 30 players that we could look at and say things break right. He's worth a late pick. He's he's in that boat. Okay. You know, Traylon Burke showing up on there was encouraging. And I guess that was kind of a question. Like, was he really a polished wide receiver or was he just sort of this physical freak who it's kind of how I felt about Rondell Moore a year ago. Uh, I didn't, and Rondell Moore, one of the weirdest seasons, his dot was, what was it, like one yard? Basically, it was pudding. It was, uh, Rondell Moore's dot was 1.4. 1.4 yards is average depth of target. So he wasn't really used as a conventional wide receiver hardly at all. And I was wondering if Traylon Burks was a similar sort of player, but Jacob, you're saying that he actually did very well on the the big four routes that we see in the NFL. Yeah, I was extremely encouraged. Um, the more I dug into Burks' data, um, it is you know, a relatively small sample size. Um, Arkansas really kind of like forced him into this slot role um, and and designed all this stuff around the line of scrimmage for him. Um, but the more I dug into it, I think that the slot usage actually maybe hurt his efficiency. Um, the average college football yard per route run rate has risen by 6% on routes that came from the slot compared to non-slot routes. Um, but Burks actually fell by 44%. Um, he was much more efficient from the perimeter. And then, yeah, his big four route uh, data was was dope. Like he was... He had the highest career yard per route run rate on big four routes um, of the 20 receiver prospects I evaluated. His rate rose by 49% on those routes compared to non-big four routes, uh, which was the third highest um, increase I found in that group. Um, and then one final note on, on Burks was he really stood out when I compared um, rookie prospects to the collegiate teammates. Um, he was the only player from the 2021 class uh, with a discrepancy above 100% between his yard per route run rate and his college wide receiver teammates. Um, And what really caught my eye with the college um, teammate stuff was um, his efficiency on deep targets. His yard per route run rate on targets that came 15 or more yards down the field was 110% above all other Arkansas wide receivers during that time, which is by far uh, the highest discrepancy um, among prospects in the class, Romeo Dobes and uh, Alec Pierce. Were the only two that even had a discrepancy above seventy percent. So limited sample size, but when he ran downfield routes, when he ran NFL routes, he dominated. Um, I don't know if it'll translate or not, but no, yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, so that's Traylon Burks. All right, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say let's let's leave the rest for the article and check <laughs> yeah. it out on Sportsline. When is that going to be out? I uh, hope to have it on Friday. Okay, check it out on Sportsline on Friday, and we've got a lot of NFL players, you know, veterans to talk about with more advanced stats when we take this quick break. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 
for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's a look at your news and notes. The Cardinals signed Daryl Williams. Dave, <sighs> does this matter? Oh, ooh, a Heath, not a sigh. A Heath, uh, sound of disgust. I'll go to Dave first here. Dave, does this matter? Daryl Williams going to the Cardinals. He goes ahead of Keontae Ingram as a late round pick. That's the guy who's probably going to be, I don't know if 1B is the right way to put it. I would probably say more of like the backup running back in Arizona and the guy who might end up getting four or five touches per game. But he'd be in line if Connor or when Connor misses time, he would be the one that would probably take the lead in that run game. I uh, actually just tweeted about Daryl Williams a couple of days ago because I was looking up a number. There have been one, 36 running backs over the past three seasons with at least 100 targets. There are four of those running backs who have averaged better than seven yards per target. Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Daryl Williams, and James Conner. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Now, I <laughs> talked about this a lot last year when it was Conner and Chase Edmonds, and I really – thought going into the year and Arizona clearly didn't think this because Connor didn't get the chance until Edmonds got hurt but I thought Connor was a better pass catching back going into last year than Edmonds was um I, I mean I think that bared itself out when Edmonds got hurt Connor was a superstar in the passing game but I do not like this for James Connor because like Clyde Edwards Alaire came into the NFL and the thing that we all thought he should be able to do is play the passing game role with Patrick Mahomes and and not run between the tackles and the Chiefs chose to put Daryl Williams into that role and have Clyde handle the early downs. I'm I'm concerned that I don't think Williams is going to have the Chase Edmonds role necessarily, but I don't feel good about Connor having the passing game role. Does this move him down your draft board? That's it a, will move him down my draft board. If you think yes. he's not going to, right. Uh, so what, round three, four? Yeah, I think round three, four. Wow. Dave, how about you on Connor? Three. Jacob? Yeah, I'm so comfortable with him in, in three. By the way, in case you're curious, James Conner had the third best pass blocking grade from PFF among running backs last year. And he had the fifth most pass blocks. He had 85 pass blocks. So he was very good at it. Uh, Daryl Williams was has not really been so good uh, in his last three seasons, I'd say, in terms of his pass blocking grade. So Conner, according to PFF, is better at that. But that doesn't necessarily, you know, like trying to spell James Conner could make sense to just say, all right, Daryl Williams, you, you take third down. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said Jimmy Garoppolo is likely to get traded, but it's not guaranteed. He also said that Debo Samuel will, uh, he's expecting Debo Samuel to be at the mandatory OTAs, and he thinks that the relationship can be repaired. Aaron Rodgers is not at Green Bay's voluntary OTAs. I doubt we care about that. Uh, Ron Rivera says it's just a matter of time regarding Terry McLaurin's contract. So that's good. Christian McCaffrey will not play in the preseason. The Colts signed Tyson Williams, formerly of the Ravens. Who's the handcuff to Jonathan Taylor? No one that's going to help you in your fantasy league. Okay. Maybe Naheem Hines 
picks up a little bit more work in the passing game overall. He's going to see an uptick in work anyway. Right. But now I I wonder if he gets, you know, a couple extra touches overall if Jonathan Taylor misses time. But Philip Lindsay, uh, he'd be ahead of Tyson at this point. I, I don't think Tyson matters. And I think Lindsay barely matters. The only thing, like, if something happens to Taylor, and hopefully it doesn't, I'm not drafting Tyson Williams. He's got like, no. The main <laughs> thing that Tyson Williams could not do last year was like handle the football in the way that the Ravens hand off and handle that, that mesh point with Lamar Jackson, that's not going to be a concern on the Colts. Um, so, so maybe he does have a little bit more success if he gets a chance there. And the NFL is considering making pretty big changes to the pro bowl. What changes would you make if you were in charge to the pro bowl? Um, I want like the Olympics for football players. <laughs> In what regard like to have them do the hundred meter dash? One hundred percent. To have the quarterbacks um, like who can throw the ball the furthest. Mm-hmm. Um, to have like some weightlifting competitions. Um, so you're, maybe, you want the NFL Combine? Maybe some wrestling. <laughs> um, javelin. Yeah. Now are they throwing footballs? They're throwing javelins or shot puts. Um, lawn darts. <laughs> okay. I actually think that'd be pretty cool to have a a hundred meter relay or four hundred meter relay, whatever the heck it is, with four players on each team. I could dig that. Yeah. All right. I hope you're listening, Goodell. Not no beach football games. That's what I was about to say. Don't do that. <laughs> no rookie beach bowl. No. Chad Johnson had a fun idea of playing a flag game of pro bowlers versus legends. Should 100% have a Madden tournament. I wouldn't watch that. I wouldn't watch anything that is being suggested right now, <laughs> and I wouldn't watch what they've been oh, doing for the past few years. You you wouldn't watch if we had Mahomes and Josh Allen lined up in the who can throw the ball. No, because I already saw them do that in Super Bowl 55 and a half, and it was amazing. No, and that's I, where I want to see them do their thing. Not on – Or if it's you know, Tyreek and – and whoever else running in the hundred yard dash, Tyreek versus DK Metcalf, I would sign up for that. I'll watch it on. I'll see the highlights on Twitter. Like wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> Tyreek versus DK Metcalf wrestling. I think I know who'd win that. All right, let's get to some more advanced stats. Talk about air yards here. Intended air yards per pass attempt. This tells you which quarterbacks are throwing the ball downfield. Uh, the most basically who's averaging the most yards per pass. I think that's pretty easy. That's an easy one. And a dot is talked about a lot. It's not really, it's not, uh, it's mainstream. It's mainstream. A dot is average depth of target. How many yards downfield is the average target for every player, wide receivers, you know, every, every player. Um, So a dot, I thought one thing that was pretty interesting or not, so not ADOT, intended air yards for pass attempt. You look at the quarterbacks and, and how far downfield they're throwing on average. Once you get to 18th, once you get lower than 18th, you don't you really don't find good fantasy quarterbacks, with a few exceptions. Patrick Mahomes was 25th this past year. And in 2020, yeah, well, uh, but he's the only one. T- Tannehill was 23rd. Technically, he finished top 12, but, you know, didn't have a good year. But in 2020, Drew Brees was 34th, I think he was last among qualifying quarterbacks. Justin Herbert was 25th. But for what it's worth, over the last two years, and it's the only two years I looked at it, over the last two years, 
if you're lower than 18th in intended air yards, I don't want to make 18th the specific number. But if you're very low, you're probably not putting up good fantasy numbers. So it's, you know, I, <laughs> that's just what it is. Uh, Heath, any reaction to that? Does that matter? Yeah, I think we like <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense if you don't have just incredible weapons after the catch on the roster. Um, or a really creative system that that just creates a bunch of yards after the catch. Um, I think it'd be interesting to look at like the rookie quarterbacks from last year, except that I don't know how many of them are going to have similar offenses to what they had last year. Well, Justin Fields was second. That was shocking. And he's got a new coaching staff. I knew that was Trevor the case. Trevor Lawrence has got right. a new coaching staff. Mac Jones has got a new offense. Like I just maybe. You know who's really low is Davis Mills. Davis Mills, low intended air yards, very bad passing grades. Advanced metrics didn't really like Davis Mills from what it would. Jacob, do you know any of this stuff offhand? Have you looked no. at any of this stuff? No. He would probably be better at uh, uh, CPOE, completion percentage over expectation, because it really helps if you don't have a lot of good wide receivers in that stat. I know Daniel Jones, always very good at the downfield uh Completion percentage over expected. Could you also add the context of what the offensive line was like? Because some quarterbacks, they don't. This is this is the argument I'm here from every single Tua Tungavailoa fan out there is that Tua didn't have time to throw deep, and that's why he he didn't have a lot of deep pass attempts. I think he was like in the 20s for that last year. He graded well on his, the pass attempts that he did have going 20 plus yards, but he just didn't have that time to throw. I think he was like second from the bottom in time to throw last year. Well, so I think this, I, I think that context needs to be added to I, I look context needs to be added to every stat, but certainly for intended air yards and regular air yards. And I think this that might be more useful like a month into the season or yeah. six weeks into the season. For sure. Who whose performance might be more sustainable as opposed to year over year when we just don't know there's too many things that have changed, especially like for a third of the league, their offense. Yeah. Well, two is a good name to bring up because he was 30th out of 33 qualifiers in intended air yards per pass attempt, seven yards he averaged. So he's, uh, he's going so like, right. so like to have to increase on that. The, on the surface of that, that's going to make you cringe because now he's got Tyreek Hill on top of having Jalen Waddle, and he had Waddle last year. But I, if that offensive line's better, then theoretically he'll have more time to throw. That means that extra second that he has, he can aim a little bit more when he throws downfield and he attacks further downfield, and that would bump up that number. Offensive line feels like an excuse to me, to be honest. Yeah, you know, he just wasn't throwing Are the ball. Are you saying there. offensive lines don't matter? <laughs> no, but I'm saying Joe Burrow had a terrible offensive line. He didn't throw the ball seven yards downfield. You know, he, he threw the ball downfield. Um, what did he throw it down? What, I, mean, he was top, I know he was top 18. Uh, right. So what was his, how much better uh, was he? How many more yards was he than Tua? It's just going to take me a second to, to look it up. Okay. Um, Cause but, if it's like, if it ends up being like eight, that's it's one yard. It's not eight. No, it, that's it's, Joe Burrow was 8.1, but that's okay, actually, it is eight. no, but it is wow. a big difference. I mean, you know, sure, cause you're, you're multiplying that by, you know, all the attempts that he has. How many more attempts did Joe Burrow have than Tua last year? Probably a lot because Tua missed, get, missed plenty of games. 520 to 388. But so that's 100 some odd air yards. And, the, you know, that's right. The difference, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Tua is a guy that, if he's going to be fantasy relevant, probably has to throw the ball downfield more. 
and he probably will. Well, we want him to do that because of the receivers that he has. And if he's gun shy about it, which he wasn't at Alabama, if he's gun shy about it, that's obviously going to hurt the numbers for Tyreek and Waddle. Maybe not Waddle because Waddle did great last year catching all those short throws. He barely ran routes downfield. But he PPR'd it. He PPR'd his way. I'll take it any way I can get it. Not the first time I've ever said that. (laughs) Uh, Jacob, do you ever look at off-target percentage uh, and see which quarterbacks were basically the least accurate? Justin Fields had the highest off-target percentage in the NFL, but he also had the second highest intended air yards per pass attempt. So that makes sense. you look at it. oh, there's a lot to dig into here, but but I guess general question: Do you ever look at off-target passes? I do some. It's not on the database um, that I use most of the time, so I have to kind of go out of my way to find it. Where do you reference it normally? From True True Media. Yeah. Where? Okay, maybe I'm just missing. So that Dave, Dave is the the true guru. He's the, the huh? goo media. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he uh, is so true. good. True guru. Yeah, whatever. He's um he's so good at finding things. I. I am lazy and don't want to do it, so I just asked Dave, "Hey, could you look this up for me?" And he sends me a and link, I'm and I book a dork it. who likes to like figure this stuff out, so I'm happy to help him. All right, Goomy, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to share that with me after this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Dave, do you like it off-target pass percentage? I use that data point to help make my arguments, but again, that that's more of like an in-season thing. Uh-huh. I also feel like. Uh, for years, like we never really saw quarterbacks vastly improve their accuracy. And now we're seeing like two years of Josh Allen doing it. And now we're wondering, well, can this can this start happening more and more around the league? And there's a bunch of new quarterbacks in the league that have this issue. I'm curious to see what it means. I'm really curious for what it means for Daniel Jones, because the guy that helped Josh Allen become more accurate is Brian Dable. Dable's now working with Jones. And I wonder if Dable sees Jones as like a, a lower rent version of Josh Allen, which could end up being really good for fantasy. I want to see how this impacts Jalen Hurts. Is he going to be more accurate with his throws? So Justin Fields can I pause? has been a cannon thrower, but I'd like to see him be a little more accurate. Can I get in there on Hurts, Dave? I want to get Please. in there on Hurts. Yeah. He had the sixth best, the sixth lowest percentage of off-target passes. And which was really impressive to me because Hertz had like the third highest or fourth highest intended air yard per pass attempt. So he was throwing the ball downfield. And obviously, you know, well, maybe it's not obvious. A guy throws the ball downfield more, you expect more off-target throws. Those are harder throws to make. So Hertz was throwing the ball downfield, yet sixth lowest off-target rate. However, PFF, okay, here we go. PFF graded him 26th. Among qual among quarterbacks, uh, in his passing grade, so I don't I don't really know how all of that squares. You would think you're really accurate while throwing the ball downfield, but 26 is pretty bad. So I thought that was interesting on Hertz. Was that 26th on deep attempts? No, just the overall, no, overall. PFF. Grade. That's overall. Yeah, you know. I can get I can tell you what PFF had him at deep. I actually have it open right here. All right, on deep attempts, Jalen Hurts. First of all, 15.8 percent of his overall yeah. attempts were deep. So he didn't throw deep. He threw actually compared that's to other high. quarterbacks. That's pretty high. It's pretty high. That's a high concentration. His adjusted completion rate was 37.3%. That's pretty bad. That's 29th among qualifying quarterbacks. 
look, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes this stuff is just noise to me. (laughs) (laughs) So help us sort through the noise, Jacob. Uh, I just relevant, like two Hertz. I looked up AJ Brown splits um, on short targets, intermediate targets and deep targets over his career. I love um, that compared to the league average. Um, He was short targets was clearly where he's been the worst. He was 39% above league average on short targets. Um, He was 121% above the league average on intermediate targets and 68% above league average on deep targets in terms of uh, converting yards per run um, on these targets. Um, And so obviously that has something to do with the quarterback delivering the ball, but it is just exciting going uh, to an offense that does, you know, throw downfield quite a bit. And I'm telling you, this is research that I figured out two years ago and I still buy into it. And I plan on writing about this in our magazine, the quarterbacks that take that step and break out, are the ones that improve on their intermediate passing. It's that 10 to 19 yard range. Those that improve their accuracy there, they're the ones that break out in fantasy. They are the ones that put up big numbers. That's exactly what I think the Eagles are going to try and do. And I thought they were going to do it with Devontae Smith last year because Smith was good on those intermediate routes. Well, now he's got two really good intermediate receivers, three if you count Dallas Goddard. So I'm, I would probably... Keith will love this. I would expect Hertz to make some improvement on those intermediate throws. QB1. I moved him into my top 10. Part of it had to do with the schedule because, you know, I do my schedule breakdown and the Eagles had the easiest schedule or one of the easiest schedules, both at the beginning of the year and overall, according to my grades. Okay. I want to give you guys a couple more off target numbers slash PFF passing grade numbers. Lamar Jackson was 29th in off target percentage. He. Uh, well, I guess he was third. <laughs> he was third worst. Only Zach Wilson and Justin Fields had a higher percentage of off-target passes. Lamar Jackson ranked 31st, even worse than Jalen Hurts, in PFF's passing grade. He was 7th in 2019. He was 17th in 2020 with a minimum of 100 pass attempts. And he was 31st. Actually, didn't. there's no minimum on that. So it's probably a little bit higher than 31st. Probably something like 27th again, or, you know, something like that for, for Lamar Jackson. But... Um, a lot of off-target passes and a bad passing grade for Lamar Jackson. Does anybody care about that? I don't really. You know there what his? A- do you know what his adjusted completion rate was on intermediate throws last year? No, sixty-seven point one. That's fourth best in football. <laughs> That's good. Right again. I, I mean, make it make sense, right? I, I, know, I would just like from this point forward, every other stat that Adam has prepared for this show, Dave, if while he's giving that stat, you could provide a stat that, that completely blows goes it away. against it. Well, again, this, is, this is on intermediate stuff. Yeah, that's and we know that on deep stuff, he's been a total, not a total nightmare, but he hasn't been very good. I'll confirm that. I want to look up his short uh, adjusted completion rate. And it's a little, it's at 83.2%. That's 15th among quarterbacks. The best was, and again, this is getting into the semantics of, well, what does that really mean? Tannehill was at the top of the list. He was at 88%. So while he was 15th, that just means that he's really close to being right where the best quarterback was in short passing. So if you give me a minute, I'll look up his deep rate and see what his adjusted completion rate there was. It was 40.7%, and that was good for 22nd. And the top guy was Tua. I mentioned that earlier. 55.2% was his adjusted completion rate. So that's that's significant. And I wonder if there was, I, I, again, one more time right here, uh, 14.1% of his throws last year were deep throws. Who's this, Tua or Lamar Jackson? This is Lamar. Okay. We're talking about Lamar. 
So 14% of his throws were deep. He wasn't good on those throws. He was off target on plenty of those. That's probably contributed heavily to your stat, Adam. Okay. I don't have an agenda here, Heath. I, I'm just throwing. I out don't think stats. you have an agenda. Yeah, yeah. It's I do have an agenda, which is what for sure. Which is, I, that I really like it when you give a stat and then Dave gives a stat that says the exact opposite. Adam doesn't have an agenda. He sent at least two emails and three texts going into this podcast to us to make sure that we were ready to go and with notes in them all. Yeah. No. I, well, I don't. I don't have a, an opinion like, oh, this is the advanced stat. This is what it means. I'm just right. giving the stats. Joe Burrow's last one. Joe Burrow, lowest off-target rate in the NFL, and he was second in 2020 as a rookie. So he's been very, very accurate. He also was the number one or number two PFF graded quarterback. Jacob, I, I think the advanced metric, metrics love Joe Burrow. Is that accurate? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's he it. Num- he was numero uno <laughs> in uh, adjusted completion rate. On intermediate throws, 78.9%. That was 8% higher than anybody else in the National Football League. So, by the way, adjusted completion rate, let's define that. What does it exclude? How is that different than completion percentage over expectation? Because I I struggle with the over expectation part. But it, but it adjusted completion, adjusted? Just, just for the definition, there's it takes out throwaways and what? It takes out throwaways drops? and drops, drops, I believe. Okay. According, hold on, I've got it right here. Adjusted completion percentage is the percentage of aimed passes thrown on target. So it's completions plus drops over the total amount of aimed ah. throws. So yes, it is going to take out throwaways. It includes drops. Those are passes that the quarterback should have completed, but the receiver didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Gotcha. When you, when you say on target, is a throw on target if it's like right here and then it gets I'm knocked out of the you. receiver's hands? Yeah, that's on target. Yes. By a defender. Yeah, it's an accurate okay. throw, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not just drops; it's also deflections. <sighs> well, I, I would imagine if it's deflected at the line of scrimmage, no. But if it's deflected, Why? that's an aimed pass. Yeah, but we don't know if it's on target. Oh, so that would count against it. That would, that would count against the. I mean, that's a question for PFF. They would be able to answer that, but I would imagine that it's let's, an aimed target. Let's get them on the phone. <laughs> 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 All right, let's go to A dot here, uh, Jacob. How much do you use like? Uh, count on a dot average depth of target uh, a ton yeah I think it's super important to understand um, because especially with the more and more I dig into this route data um, a crossing route for one team is entirely different than a crossing route for another team like the Jaguars for example their crossing routes were basically just drags um, they were really close to the line of scrimmage um, the whole so season like, was a drag yeah <laughs> damn it <laughs> oh, I hit the wrong button yeah <laughs> uh and so like Christian Kirk has yes. like really exciting, you know, crossing route data, but like his average depth of target on those routes was almost double what we saw for Jamal Agnew and LaVisca Chanel um, occupying the role that he would likely uh, be in or a similar type of role. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just really important in, in contextualizing everything. Um, and it's definitely something that I try to be as cognizant of as I can. Do you, we were talking about this on FFT and five, and this is kind of something I've settled on, but I've not actually done the work to see that it's right. It's just what I think or what it feels like, but like 11 to 12 or 11 to 13 is kind of like the sweet spot um, for most um, really elite fantasy production. If you're up in the 15, 16 range, you're probably not getting enough targets. Um, 
And if you're down below, like Debo can make it work, but most guys below that range are not having a ton of fantasy success. As a general rule, I, yeah. yeah. I what fair. about a guy like, what about a true slot receiver? Amon St. Brown, 7.1 yeah. dot last year. What you know? I'm thinking like a Julian Edelman. Yeah, I don't think, but that I don't think Amon um, St. Brown's profile is that of an elite fantasy wide receiver, unless everybody gets hurt. Yeah. Well, exceptions wa- both ways. I, I guess my question is: Is the only way to to have the elite production is to just catch a bunch of passes? You know, with the low A dot. Yeah, sure. or or have touchdowns. Or have six 50-yard touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of yards after catch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if there's... Are there any players that you guys want to talk about? I don't want to hijack the show here. You're the host. Well, yeah, but I want to... I mean, I have topics to talk about. Like Cortland Sutton. Heath and I talked about this yesterday. He was second among all players in ADOT with a minimum of 50 targets. It was 15.4. Only Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a higher ADOT. And Heath just said, you're probably not getting a lot of enough targets if you're up in the 15 range. You look at Cortland Sutton, his best season came when he was in the 11 range. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's been a downfield guy for much of his career. He also is now being paired with Russell Wilson, who led the NFL last year in air yards per pass attempt. So do we like this? Are they a good fit? Or is he is his A dot too high for you know how does Sutton and how do Sutton and Wilson fit given these numbers? Both of them either number one or number two in the air yards or the A dot, you know, on the per target, per pass attempts. I think everybody understands what I'm saying, hopefully, even though I don't anymore because I'm rambling. How do Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton mesh? Jacob, what do you think? Uh, I actually dove really deep into this when they made the trade. I think it might be my pinned tweet still, um, but I do have an article out and it just like dives into everything with Sutton and Patrick and Judy. Um, and in terms of, and um, Alberto, in terms of the types of routes that um, Russ has targeted at a significantly higher rate um, compared to league average, um, it really favors Jerry, Judy and Alberto and doesn't look as good um, for the perimeter receivers. But I think, it's just, it's really hard to, Corden Sutton is one of the hardest players to feel confident about going into this season, honestly. Um, I think there's a ton of upside with the fact that Russell Wilson has thrown downfield at a really high rate, like you've talked about. Um, and like, obviously there's touchdown upside as well, but I just think he has a really, really wide range of outcomes. So sorry for not clearing that up at all. No, but I think <laughs> the fact that Cortland Sutton had a very successful year, over 1,100 yards, I believe, with an 11-ish dot, has shows me yeah. his versatility. You know, and he's not married to just being a downfield threat every time. I I was going to say that, actually. I really like it when you get a receiver like Stephon Diggs or DJ Moore, who has shown the ability to have very good seasons with both a high A dot and a different type of role. I just don't think Cortland Sutton's shown us that yet. Cortland Sutton's shown us the ability to have a great fantasy season with a lower A dot. Um, Yeah. But he hasn't had a great season with a high A dot. That is definitely how true. Does, how much does consistency hitting that A dot from game to game matter? Because I just I'm I looked at Sutton's A dot by game this past year. He had three games where his A dot was below ten. He had one where his A dot was above twenty. Um, had a bunch of games in the middle, and and it might be like that for every single receiver. And if it's going to be like that for every single receiver, then I don't know how strong this stat is. But I, I almost feel like I need somebody to tell me that that's not right, that there are receivers that do have a consistent A dot 
most weeks of the year. They're right on this number. It's a reliable number, and they're catching the ball further downfield. They're getting more yards with each catch that they get. My my impression would be that it's not very consistent because the the number of targets is so low on a per game. Like you're talking about seven or eight targets. One deep shot could completely throw the number off. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I don't think looking at it on a I, and this could be wrong, but I don't think looking at it on a week to week basis is going to uh, give you give you a whole lot of insight. I agree. And so my my next thought was, well, why don't we look at the average route depth? So this is just the route that they're running, and we have that information, but I've gone and I've looked at that too, and these receivers have like very similar average route depths. And I'm not talking about the receivers on the Broncos. I'm talking about across the whole league. A lot of these guys, it's it's somewhere between seven and nine. I don't think that there's anything quantifiable out of that either unless there's an outlier or three that makes you think, okay, well, they're consistently running routes, you know, 10 yards downfield, something like that. I can think of some examples of ADOT really mattering. And you look at DJ Moore and how he's changed year over year. Marquise Brown. Yeah. And it really correlates to are you going to be better in non PPR or half PPR or full PPR? Because DJ Moore, when he, I think it was 2020, was running much deeper routes. How many did he even have 70 catches that year? I don't remember the numbers, but the catches went way down. He looked like he looked like a PPR stud at first. Then he looked like a non PPR guy, and then he kind of went back. So that's the other problem is hard to predict. But A dot does matter. And Mike Williams, this was the argument I made against Mike Williams. First four or five games of the year, he was incredible, and his A dot was much lower. He was running lower, shorter routes, and he was catching more passes. And then he went back to being more of a downfield guy, and the catches went way down. Uh, but I can't I can't exactly predict what he's going to be, but I liked him better. His best stretch, I'd say, was when he had a lower ADOT, Mike Williams. It it was, but like just because I have to say this every time you bring that up, like Mike Williams had an incredible stretch that we shouldn't expect to be repeated the first month of the season, and then he was absolutely awful for a month, and then he was just a really good number two wide receiver for the rest of the year. Jacob, like twelve PPR points per game. Jacob, before we get into the running back, you include stats, that four sorry. game awful stretch. Yeah, yes. I'm including everything after the first five games. Right. So you can choose a variety of different sample sizes to say different things about Mike Williams. But if you want to, if you want to break his sample him a number size, two receiver is fair. If you want to break his sample size down into a dots, though, I think if you have a higher a dot, you're more likely to have terrible games. You know, I mean, those are harder passes to catch. Fewer that sounds like a project. No, I think it's fewer catches. It's fewer catches. It's more boomer bust. Um, Yeah, I I think that's true. Yeah, there's definitely more volatility with higher ADOT players. Okay, per route run, who are some of the standouts that you think could be the next Deontay Johnson? I know you mentioned uh, A.J. Brown. Anyone else on this list? Um, No, I really haven't um, been able to dive into this as deep as I would like to. Uh, That's going to come later in June. Um, just off the top two guys that really stand out are Darnell Mooney and Michael Pittman. They both, um, made huge strides in year two. And I'm like super, super excited for the setup, uh, they have going into year three, um, and the route data that they did give us. Um, if you want like a, no. one of the most, one of the guys I've been researching recently is the college prospects and Drake London's route data is insane. Um, and that was inflated some by design touches, but like even on non-designed routes like screens and flares and everything else slants um it was still really 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 high last year um he was really high in the big four routes as well so i I think you got to talk to me more about darnell mooney (laughs) gladly yeah i love darnell mooney 
uh, yeah, he, he really took over. Um, um, he was already taking over for Allen Robinson at the beginning of the year um, and was pretty much a wide receiver one from, from the get-go. And once Allen Robinson went down, uh, he was a fantasy wide receiver one in, in almost all um, volume metrics. Um, obviously, the efficiency is going to be a concern um, in Chicago. And um, the overall volume, uh, like I'm looking at rates, the overall volume is going to be probably pretty low as well, probably pretty run heavy. Um, but yeah, he finished last year with a 27% target share and a 36% air yarded share uh, over the past 15 seasons. There have only been 12 receivers to hit both those marks at the age of 23 or younger. Uh, Brandon Marshall, Calvin Johnson, Josh Gordon, Kelvin Benjamin, Josh Gordon again, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf. Like you wouldn't expect Arnold Mooney to be on that list. Everyone that's on that list was really, really good except for Kelvin Benjamin. Um, so that's really, really exciting what mm. he did wow. last year at that age. Um, but he didn't really, but he wasn't that good in the normal stats. Well, right? and it's the, it's, but that's the Deontay Johnson thing. Like I, right. and I've gotten stuck in that as well. It's like these guys that are so good at earning targets and seemingly so bad at turning targets into fantasy points. But if you get 150 targets, it doesn't really matter if you're not very good at turning targets into fantasy points. And also just showing an ability to do that at such a young age, like it, yeah, I think the cream rises to the top and that's kind of what we've seen with Deontay. Like he still hasn't turned into like an elite um, efficiency receiver, but like he has improved. And I think that it's likely that we will continue to see that from Mooney as well. Okay. That's, um, that's really interesting stuff. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the running backs then. So avoid, avoid tackle rate and broken tackle rate. Who's the best at avoiding tackles and who's the best at breaking them? There were a number of players who were in the top 10 in both. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Five players who were top 10 in both metrics, avoiding tackles and breaking tackles. Javante Williams. He was top two in both. Dearness Johnson. By the way, this is a minimum of 100 carries, and Dearness Johnson had exactly 100. Dearness Johnson was top five in both. Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson surprised me. He was top six in both. Najee Harris and Nick Chubb. So Javante, Dearness Johnson, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, and Nick Chubb. Dave, those are the five running backs who were top 10 in both avoid rate and broken tackle rate. I'll repeat what I said at the beginning of the show. In 2020, Mike Davis was number one in both metrics. So what, if anything, does this mean to you, those five guys? Well, my favorite thing about this specific stat is that it's done by the running back and the running back alone. The quarterback doesn't help the running back avoid a tackle. The offensive line doesn't help the running back miss a tackle. I don't think maybe there's something I'm missing there. But this is the running back creating yards. And that's something that I like. I don't want to slug at running back unless it's a guy who I know is going to get 300 touches over the course of a season. I want a guy who can make a man miss or break a tackle and pick up an extra chunk of yardage or even take it to the hizzy. That's what I, that that's a stat that matters to me when it comes to looking at running backs. And this is an encouraging number for Javante Williams. And I'll tell you right now, I've talked with enough coaches to know this. They love this too for the exact same reason. They want to put the ball in the hands of people who can make a play, playmakers, game breakers. These guys qualify. This is good evidence that these are really good football players. Even Dearness Johnson. They, they've asked about I will Keith. I will add this though. Hold on. Sorry, Heath. Dearness Johnson probably had a lot of those numbers against Denver in that Thursday night game. And Denver had a depleted defense in that game 
a lot of backups were playing. So I wonder what his numbers were without that game included. Um, and I do think like David made the comment about the offensive line and it almost seems to me that there's a little bit of bad offensive play, offensive line play that can help you with this stat because you have multiple defenders getting toward to you in the backfield. And we see guys, sometimes guys who are really inefficient, but hop around and make one or two guys miss in the backfield before they get tackled after a two yard gain. And like they, they missed avoided two tackles on that one run. Mm-hmm. They also gained two yards. Right. Like when I was playing uh, tackle football in college, I remember we would do punts or something and I would be the one who would run down first and, you know, I had no chance to tackle them because I weighed like a hundred pounds, but I would make them reroute. So they would right. avoid my right. tackle. So Stop other feet more, right. More physical, athletic, gifted, talented, legit p- people could actually make the tackle. So, you know, you got to get in the backfield, make the guy avoid the first player, and then he can, you know, be tackled by better players. I, I see what you're saying. Thank you for making this about me, Heath. I do appreciate that. <laughs> okay. I think, Jacob, you were laughing earlier. Was it hizzy? Was that what got you? Yeah, that did get me. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was that was pretty good. Uh, all right. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add on running back metrics. I, I'll tell you one thing. I, Go ahead. Do you have anybody who sucked at avoided tackle? Right yeah, now? I've got some. Oh, yeah. Uh, over the past five too. Over the past five seasons, this is avoided tackle rate. Over the past five seasons, uh, minimum 150 carries. There have been 34 instances among 147 qualifiers uh, to post an avoided tackle rate below 16%. Uh, two backs were added to this prestigious list in 2021. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, one of them was Ezekiel Elliott. We don't, we don't, <laughs> <have> <laughs> that was going to be his guess. <laughs> I'm not going to waste time with that. Who was the other one? Uh, oh, I've... I'm going to say Saquon Barkley. Um, no, I think Saquon's one of those guys that w- avoids two tackles while he gains two yards. Um, he was at 16.7%. Sa- uh, Saquon was really bad last year, but he, yeah, not quite there. <laughs> uh, 150 who? tackles, uh, carries, huh? That's, that's... it's gotta be somebody relatively good. Right. It's a surprise. Oh, uh, wow. I see who it is. The DeAndre okay. Swift. No, no, okay. he's great. At bring he's a first round pick. Maybe early second, fantasy, but yeah. but yeah, fantasy a swing pick. I know who it is too. Who is it? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Typically not a great, you know. He typically doesn't grade out well in avoiding tackles, but like he was really bad last year. He was that was the one hundred and sixteenth of one hundred forty seven qualified backs over the past five years. Hmm. Yeah, and you know who wasn't much better was Derrick Henry, by the way. But go ahead, Dave. And this ties into this. This is going to put a pretty little bow on this whole conversation. He had 45 carries go for zero or negative yards. What was the biggest problem that Joe Mixon dealt with last year? And technically, Burrow had to deal with it too. And the one that the Bengals addressed this offseason with three big moves. Yeah, offensive line. There it is. So I know that he wasn't great at avoiding tackles in general, right, Jacob? Like you said, previous right. years he wasn't this bad. This is where I think the offensive line does matter because I'm sure there were count. I remember countless plays where he gets the ball and he's just stuffed like a double stuffed Oreo. Mm. That sounds really yeah. good in milk right now. <laughs> I, I've got four other guys who like really fell off last year. Do you want those? Yes, yes please. 
Saquon Barkley, uh, 26.6% across 2018 to 2020, was down to 16.7% last year. Um, obviously not encouraging coming off an injury. Uh, Derek Henry, kind of like Mixon, he's never been a big um, tackle avoided guy. Uh, he was 21 to 24% in each of the seasons from 2017 to 2020. Uh, that was down to 16.4% last year. Yeah. And um, he had 40 carries of zero or negative yards, and he played half the season. <laughs> Antonio Gibson, 28.2% as a rookie, um, was something I was really excited about. A lot of his advanced metrics as a rookie as a rusher were pretty Me too. dang good. That was down to 18.2%. Um, you have to think Andrew probably had something to do with that. 45 zero or negative rushes. Same and, as uh, Joe Mixon. And then Alvin Kamara uh, has been an elite tackle breaker, like one of the absolute best, uh, 34% in 2019, 35% in 2020. In 2021, that was down to 21.7%. And guess who Who do you think had more missed tackles? Alvin Kamara or Joe Mixon slash uh, the other guy that I said had 45 missed tackles? Deontay Foreman. <laughs> uh, Kamara had 46 runs of zero or negative yards. And he had a good offensive line. Mm, yes, he did. It's kind of strange. And, and he's uh, washed. It's stop. Uh, I mean, look. I mean, he might be, but it's the term is washed up, obviously. But I washed is wrong. Uh, there's one player that shows up pretty, pretty high in a lot of the advanced metrics that I look at for running backs. A couple years in a row, maybe even three years in a row. And it's, I've mentioned this before, but it's Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, not necessarily broken tackles. I think two years ago he was good there. Last year he was fine, but avoid tackles. He was better than fine last year. Rushing. Rushing uh, grade on PFF, the elusiveness grade on PFF. Tony Pollard looks like a top 10 back based on those yes. metrics. If he could get 15 to 18 touches of exactly the same type that he got last year, then he would be a top five back. Um, I just don't know what happens to those metrics if you add seven carries between the tackles to them. Do we know for a fact that he doesn't run between the tackles or is this just a guess? Um, I'm not saying he doesn't run between the tackles, but I don't. I know a much lower percentage of his carries are that type of carry than others. I actually think I can look that up pretty quickly. Go, do it. Uh, well, I also have a trivia item, and maybe oh, this good. negates yes, everything the, that the I said about trivia. Th- this. Might negate everything that I said about rushes for zero or negative yards. Who led the NFL in total number of rushes for zero or negative yards? So not percentage of rushes, but the total number. It's the total number. Najee Harris. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah, that's what I was Najee was close. He was third with 51 such runs, and he still had a great avoided tackle rate, 30.9%, which is crazy. He had a lot of opportunities to avoid tackles. He did, but there's somebody who, there's two somebodies who had more. Zeke? No. Leonard Fournette. Well, I'm gonna guess. I'm just gonna say the dumb thing. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor yeah. is number one. That's, that's why you need to use the zero or negative yards. Right. Well, it's still a pretty high percentage. It's 19 percent of his runs went for zero or negative yards. And again, a dude who had a really good offensive line. That 19 percent, not is maybe around 15th. I'd have to count backwards: three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, okay. eleven, twelve. This is, this is all twelve. To me, I mean, this is why I love explosive plays. And that, if that's an advanced stat, which I say it is, the explosive play percentage. Because Ramondre Stevenson, for example, the fact that he's able to, he's top six in both avoided tackles and broken tackles. He, his longest carry of the year was 21 yards. So maybe he can become more explosive, but if he can't, 
that's going to really cap his that's the ability. That's the argument against David Montgomery is he breaks a bunch of tackles, but before he gets going anywhere, somebody else tackles him. No, the argument against David Montgomery is he doesn't have top end speed, so he's not going to break off sixty yard touchdown That's exactly runs. Exactly what I just said. Not really. It's you it's put it yes. on. You put it on. You put it on like he's so good at breaking tackles that like you had a positive spin on it. I had a negative spin on it because that's you just like will give him the so better. He does spin he, is what reflects the reality of the statement. We were saying no. the same thing, just spinning it different You were ways. saying that he doesn't have explosive plays because he's always breaking tackles. I was saying that Montgomery doesn't have explosive plays because he's not explosive. Okay. I was no, I was saying that he gets caught before he makes an explosive play after he breaks a tackle. Yeah, that's not... So, he doesn't break exactly the tackle the on thing. every play. I, thank goodness this is after the hour mark and no one's listening. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um... <laughs> All right, Dave, you got your Tony Pollard stat? I'm close. All right, I don't know that I can kill any more time. Another no. guy another guy whose broken tackle rate was really encouraging last year was Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Um, he was elite uh, in 2019, 33%, and then only average uh, in 2020 dealt with injuries. He was down to 23%, but last year he was back above 33%, uh, had the sixth highest rate of any um, running back in the past five seasons. I just thought that was really exciting. I think he could have a really big year. I like I don't know, like I've been doing dynasty rings lately, and so I'm a little bit um, unsure yeah. of how to rank him just with this possibly being his last year there. Um, right, but yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't heard people talk about Jacobs much. I, I think it all comes down to whether or not McDaniel's wants to have a different pass catching back or not. If they're going to yeah. use him in the passing game, then yeah, he might be a like a top eight back. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell all you. Right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go. I've got Pollard with 33 rushes to the left end or to the right end. I did not include left tackle or right tackle. If you want me to, I will. He had 130 carries overall last year. So that's 100 carries between the tackles? If you well, include tackles left. I would end. say a run off tackle is not between the tackles. Yeah. Okay, I'll add it. Let's see how many more that is. But this is completely arbitrary also. Also, I'm going to say, I, this is the most important thing of the entire show. When I was on the baseball podcast... I I would get into some arguments, BABIP versus BABIP. I was a BABIP guy. I eventually had to go to BABIP because that's what the industry was saying because they would say, well, it stands for average. It's batting average on balls in play, so it has to be BABIP. But to me, BABIP sounds stupid. It sounds like an animated elephant. And BABIP sounded better and more professional. So, you know, you look at SCUBA. The U is underwater. It's just so you don't pronounce it SCUBA because that's stupid. So it should be BABIP. And A dot is my proof that it's that we should be going back to BABIP because it, BABIP sounds dumb. And A dot, you know, you don't say a dot for average depth of it. You don't say a dot. I, I've got the number if you're ready to. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> 56 carries for Pollard. A- anything that wasn't inside of the tackles. Okay. I don't, so I don't even know how the percentage is out of 133. It's not quite, a, not even 50%. So more went between the tackles. Slightly more runs between the tackles than outside the tackles. I would say, I say slightly. It's what is almost 80 to 77 to 56. Yeah. Look at you, math genius. What can I say? Not I so mean, much a grammar is, genius. No, listen to me. Pronunciation genius. There is no, re- if you want to call it Babbitt, fine. But don't call give what? me the average don't give me the pronunciation of the word average reason because there are plenty of examples where we say the acronym, you know, we say it the way it, it sounds better because we're not beholden to what each initial blah, blah, blah. Say the word tournament. Goodbye, everybody. Jacob, thank you for coming on. 
Thanks for having me, as always. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Dave and Heath, thank you guys. Everybody, we we appreciate you uh, you being here for this lengthy no show. <laughs> Say frog and dog. Frog and dog do not ride. I think I just beat that later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.